Good morning, language lovers, and welcome to Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. I am Heidi, the creator and host of this show, and today I have another incredible guest on the show. I'm so excited to share this chat with you all. There are so many unique and interesting and inspiring language learners out there, and today's guest is all of that and more. Tierra Youngblood is the creator of Speak in Spades, a platform that guides and encourages language learning through gaming. Tierra shares where her love of games and puzzles began in childhood and how they've been a stable foundation of curiosity and knowledge throughout her life. She takes us on her language journey, which includes Latin, Ancient Greek, Spanish, Italian, French, Japanese, and Korean. Tierra now teaches English in South Korea, and you'll hear how she brings games into her classroom, as well as the benefits of being able to work with language students in this fun and engaging way. And one of the best things Tierra brings us in this conversation is complete joy, and it's contagious. I love her outlook on language learning, her thirst for knowledge, and her creativity when sharing her passions with others. Tierra shares her online info at the end of the episode, but I've also put it in the show notes. Follow her on social media, check out her YouTube, and definitely peruse her website. I recently bought her language journal for French, something she talks about today, and I'm really enjoying it. Another resource you can work as you like, when you like, how you like, shape it to work for you and your language. And she's got more tools and resources to check out on her website as well. So I now present you Tiara Youngblood of Speak in Spades. Welcome, Tiara Youngblood. Welcome to Love, Joy, and Languages. I'm so excited to have you here. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. (laughs) For any listeners who maybe don't follow me on Instagram, because if they do, then they saw this going on back in June, I think it was you and three other women hosted a language writing challenge called the Language Olympics, where we were given a prompt every day for a month and wrote about it. And so that's really how you and I kind of sort of, I guess, got acquainted online. I've been following you for a long time, but um, I was in your group. I was in the Spade group who were the winners by the way we had the most points for the challenge and everyone did amazing and the energy of this group was just so amazing and you led us to victory and led us to like we still chat about language things in the group and everything Mm -hmm. so obviously you were someone I had to bring on the show to talk about language stuff because you're an innovator a leader in the language community and I just want to know more about you so Tell our listeners, please, a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share, and what brings you to the language learning community. That was a fantastic introduction. Oh, my God. (laughs) But yeah, so my name is Tiara, and I've always loved languages. I'm from the U.S. I'm from New Jersey, um, and now I'm living in Korea. And I've been here for a few years as an English teacher. And now I really get to travel and show people different ways of learning languages. Um, When I was younger, my favorite toy was this globe that could talk back to you and like ask you questions about like, where's the capital of each country? And I was a master at that game (laughs) because it made me realize that the world is so big you know, and we're just these small, small dots in this big map. And I know only a little bit of the world. And I wanted to know more about other cultures and other experiences. And of course, food. So all of these things made it very easy for me to say, why aren't we paying attention to languages? Hello, it's important. And in my community, there was a strong presence of Spanish speakers, especially from Mexico or Puerto Rico. And we had some immigrants from different countries, like places where they speak Creole or places where they speak Patois or these things. And just hearing these words, hearing people communicate, I always felt like this is like a secret language. It's like a secret world in my hometown. I want to know the secret. And so I thought I would be a math teacher, but I went to school in my first semester, I was studying Italian and Latin and math was not my favorite thing after all. It was Italian and 
learning more about these ancient people with their silly stories and translating these sentences that I'll never be able to say out loud five years later. Um, but no, my love for languages just came from getting to know people and wanting to make it a more fun and more welcome and truly a space that people are proud to say that they're part of. So that's how it started. I love, love that <laughs> intro so much. Um, I don't know if you're acquainted with El Sharice of Speaking Tongues podcast, but I feel like mm -hmm. if I had the two of you here, this would be the most dynamic, amazing <laughs> interview. She's I like the curiosity and the food <laughs> in the world. It's, it's something that so many language learners share. It's not just about the languages for many of us. It's about mm -hmm. the connections and the culture and just knowing that there's so much more out there that we can connect with. And there's so much left to know and languages right. is a pathway to getting there not just mm -hmm. through the cultures of where the languages are spoken but when you live somewhere and you understand the words around you it changes the experience completely when you understand what people are saying it totally changes how you interact with the culture and the people and present yourself in the culture as well and I just think that's a beautiful yeah. thing so yeah. you started in school with Italian, but Spanish was what kind of brought you in because of the communities around you. So mm -hmm. what languages have you studied and or learned, would you say? Yeah, so I'm glad that you phrased it that way, too, because, you know, for us, the language world, we pick up the language and we're like, oh, it's been 10 years. And I'm like, right now I could say hi. <laughs> But no, I started with Spanish in school. We started, I think, in third grade elementary school. But I used to follow the Spanish teacher after school, after our class. I would be the one to like carry her class stuff to the next classroom, always had questions. I took Dora the Explorer very seriously, okay? I even went on YouTube to find Dora the Explorer in Spanish. <laughs> it was a thing. I had a crush on Diego. But no, <laughs> then I studied Latin and ancient Greek in my high school, which was pretty fun because I went to a Catholic high school. I'm not Catholic, but it was a really good program for me to get into. And my religion teacher had Latin and ancient Greek posters in the classroom. And ancient Greek, the lowercase letters of Greek as a whole is just so pretty. And I was like, I want to do this. I want to know this secret. And that was my first time studying languages with different writing systems. And so it was just cool. Um, Backtrack to middle school, there were some people who were from Haiti. So I picked up some words from, uh, from Creole. And then in high school, in my senior year, went to a public school and there it was again, Creole. So I, my first friends and the main friends for that year in the lunch table was this group that used English and Creole. And oh, it was wow. cool. Wow. Yeah. Never thought I would pick up anything related to French because I saw it and I heard it and I was like, no, but there it was. And then I started listening to Strome and it was over from there. Um, so French was a thing for mainly music. And then when I went to college, I majored in Latin and ancient Greek and I took some Italian studies. And from there, I did linguistics as well. So it started getting into Japanese because I was like, I always loved anime, but it's time I start actually taking it seriously, especially since my roommates are Japanese and being a resident assistant, being able to be that bridge for the multicultural aspect of my building. It was really cool. And what else? I feel like here and there, there was a friend from Ethiopia and she wrote my name in her language. I really the language escapes me at the moment but there was a time where I tried to understand her as well um, and then studied abroad in Italy and that was when my goal for studying multiple languages was solidified in my school they were switching from Italian and Spanish or Italian and French Italian and German and here I am only speaking Italian and trying to remember Spanish and English and I'm like no this is a competition and I'm trying to win. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
I feel like um, Korean was the wild one because mm-hmm. I started watching variety shows and I thought about which country to teach English and it was between Japan and Korea. And I was like, I started Japanese. It's beautiful, but am I really going to learn the kanji? Am I really going to learn the kanji? Let's study Korean and go to Korea because, you know, the writing system is easier. Amazing. They lied to me. I came <laughs> here and the writing system is easy, but then the grammar is insane. It's four years and I'm still like I'm studying this year for the TOEFIC exam. And I'm like, there's a whole new world. Every word has like four or five different words. The sun has two words. The moon has two words. Day, night, all of these words have two words. And I'm studying a whole new... Right and left has two words. But you're trapped now. You're not getting out of it. (laughs) I'm trapped. (laughs) But yeah, that's like the general gist. I had to study French and German for some time because... I was interested in taking Latin and ancient Greek as my grad school major, and I would have needed to take one of the two. So Mm. I dipped my feet in those and dipped out. And Duolingo says that I am a level two Esperanto speaker. So (laughs) I will take his word for it. (laughs) Such a variety. It's amazing. (laughs) And I love to unfortunately this isn't going to get a video because if anyone saw like the joy on your face right now like this is what the show is about this is the joy of language learning right here like just a little bit of that and a little bit of that and this was interesting I have an actual math background I have my master's degree in math and I hear a mathematician Mm -hmm. in you though too when you're like that writing system I need to know what those things say like there's a puzzle and a logic there's a side of you that's all like (laughs) everything's a puzzle and I just need to figure it out and I think that's one thing that in school systems in the U.S. back when I was in school a couple decades ago, it was all about (laughs) either science or humanities, and they were very separate. And I always felt, even as a student, like I got this message that you're a science person, you're not a humanities person. Even though I did well in everything, there was still something that was, I don't know if it was like almost competitive, but they were opposite of each other and I really internalized this message that I am not going to be good at languages because I'm good at math and Mm -hmm. it's not at all that way math and having this this way of kind of separating things and organizing things and and stuff like that wanting to figure out the puzzles which is a logic you know science kind of side of your brain it has helped me really really well in languages especially German for sure. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of that in what you're saying. Like, I just really want to figure that out and be able to uncover this this thing, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a science quote, science thing of being, you know, discovering and stuff. It is so interesting that you say that. Like, and I never, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone about this, but you are so right. As a math person, like we tend to think like we have to go the science route. Like even for me, I went to college thinking like I'm good at math. I love puzzles. This is everything, especially getting into games a little later, like why I love puzzles. It's just something about it, like a challenge where I'm in this moment of stress and I want to release the Mm. stress by figuring out that puzzle and Mm -hmm. then being able to show the world like, look, I did it or I'm good at this now, you know, but my mom is excellent at math. And we used to do the randomest puzzles together, the randomest challenges. She taught us mental math. We would do this like every time we go shopping, it's like, can we guess how much it's going to cost, including tax and including like the discounts and stuff. So we would go to the grocery store and we would take our time putting the stuff in there and rounding to see how much it would be. And whoever was closer felt that extra success, like, I think it's 120. No, I think it's 110. And then it was like $112. And it's like, I was so close, but I did, I forgot the 20% here. But you still like just that mindset, people might think like it's logical, Mm -hmm. but I also think that it comes from curiosity Mm -hmm. or it comes Mm -hmm. from that sense of wanting to solve things that both sides of the brain use to reach their answers, you know? So I always felt like mathematicians are put in a box or like STEM majors are put in this, you know, because STEM has such a different um, 
a different reputation, they can't do humanities things. But I think it gives an advantage. And I mm -hmm. think that in some ways, both can be celebrated, you know, but absolutely. on the other side, you know, so puzzles, all of those things, you're absolutely right. And I think that even helps with why I created the resources that I did, because I'm like, no, we all have these issues. If I have this issue, it must be. <laughs> That's one of the most powerful things, I think anyone, but especially in language learning circles, the most powerful things we can do. If I have this problem, everyone has it. Because I spent so many years feeling lonely and different and alone. no one else is in my situation, learning languages. Mm -hmm. No one else is older and with mm -hmm. kids and living in the country and all of these things. And mm -hmm. turn. It, it, it doesn't really matter if anyone else has this intersection in life that I do, mm -hmm. because we're all still struggling with the same things, just in a different, you know, a, a different bubble different. or different circumstances. But mm -hmm. all those internal things we struggle with are the same. Mm -hmm. So tell us more then. You started out talking about the the globe and how mm -hmm. you wanted to know more from this. So you really started your language journey very early with games and activities. So tell us more about how that evolved into what it is today? Well, ever since I was young, games have just been a big part of my culture. And I thought that it was just my family. But, you know, I would tell people, my family loves games. We had board game night on Fridays. Anytime family members or my parents' friends came to our house, we're playing Uno or we're playing some kind of card game or our Christmas and family reunions every year always involve some kind of card game, some kind of competition. Um, but I realized now, like very recently, within the past couple of years, that it was around me. Like we in our schools, we had card games or board games that we would play when it rained. So we wouldn't go outside after lunch or even there were competitions class or in our science class if we finish our homework or if we finish the class assignment then we could play games we would take that same deck of cards and sometimes we would make our own games or sometimes if I'm waiting for my friends I take the cards and I'm just doing something random with them I'm matching the colors or I'm matching the numbers or I'm putting it in order and then I'm mixing it up you know like and then growing up, like elementary, middle, high school, I could say all of these schools, different types of schools, public, charter, private school, it was a way for us to connect. I always learned a new thing or the teachers would teach us riddles. I know so many mind games. I know so many random challenges and they're from people outside of my home. And it helped me realize like games is probably a huge part of I don't know if I could say all of American culture, but at least my area in New Jersey, I've connected with people some way, somehow with the game. And like you said, like the globe that was one of the first things that I can remember as a child, it really helped me see like, I want to connect with people and games was that source for me. And it brought smiles. I could still remember certain people's laughs just because of the game or just because of a conversation I had about games years ago. Then there was a bridge competition that I did for a special program after school. And then our church had a huge competition and I had this small trophy for winning the game. <laughs> it was a small speed game. <laughs> and then my grandmother got married and they had a person come in and teach us these mind games that work really well for a party. And it's like, if you know the secret, you can't tell anyone what the answer is. And it's just all around a connection, even more than the challenge that the mathematician in me loves to solve. Like other than that, just being able to share that experience with others. Escape rooms, they just tickle the right side of my brain when we unravel something and then there's still more. I'm almost sad when it's over, you know? <laughs> and then coming to Korea, full circle. Now I'm the teacher and I'm making games for my students every week for them to practice speaking because I'm the speaking and listening teacher. So the reward after listening to these boring conversations that go back and forth is 
the last 20 minutes we play a game. It's a PowerPoint game or it's a physical game or at the end of the year after their exams, I do the same thing that my teachers did for me and we break out the board games and let them play, you know? And mm -hmm. I tell them the number one rule is try to use English and they're excited to do that. They don't think about the English when they're playing a game and I wanted to be a part of that. So that's how I wanted to use it for Korean. And I was like, where should I start? And what better way than the game that started it all? Just mm -hmm. this one 52 cards that the world knows and loves, you know? <laughs> that was going to be my next question was how do you as a teacher bring in games to the classroom? Because it it's a very interesting concept because you, you were talking about how the games bring connection with other people and then for your students they also bring connection by memory they're going to be better postured to remember vocabulary or remember how to say something or remember a mistake they made and try not making that when they have this connection of the game that was fun and then the um you know the textile characteristic of the game the, the memories of the actual cards in front of them like those things stick with mm -hmm. people to bring connection to the language as well something that they're going to remember for a long time so like what kinds of games do students play with a deck of cards in English or as much English as they can you know so some of these games I'm not sure how many of them you might know but some of them involve lying or some of them involve like telling what you think is in the room or mm -hmm. like it's a little bit of key phrases, like finding these key phrases that if they can't say more, they could say at least this, putting it on the board, practicing it with them a couple of times before they start the game. And then, you know, you got to take students for their language levels and mm -hmm. mix them. So this way there's one who might be at a slightly higher level that could help out with the lower level students so that this way there's an even mix of people like helping one another and feeling safe too. So it's a little bit of work on our end as teachers to make sure that we see the relationships between the students or try to mix the higher level students next to the students that need that extra guidance so that this way the responsibility is not for us as teachers to talk for 45 minutes. It's to give students the chance to see how much they learn and to be able to get that benefit of helping others too. And so the card games are really great because especially after a month or so of being with the students, you could play it as like a reward for finishing something, whether that's finishing a chapter or whether it's finishing a midterm or final exam, or just we have free time because, you know, this week we have an event tomorrow. And so they'll remember those things. And those are the ways to remind students that language learning can be fun. Mm -hmm. And it gives teachers a chance to share their culture or to share these phrases that they'll never say in the real world outside of the game, but in the moment, they have that confidence, like, I can read that sentence. I know what this letter or number is. I just made that sentence by myself. And, you know, for a little bit of time, they're English speakers. They mm -hmm. they have that kind of confidence. And so And it takes that stress way. off of them from performance in the classroom and mm -hmm. getting something right or the shyness of making a mistake in front of your peers whenever you're involved in a game and something more fun, it takes all of that pressure off or at least a mm -hmm. significant portion of it and makes it just so <laughs> much, it makes the language so much more accessible because you're mm -hmm. taking down that barrier of the stress and the vulnerability and everybody's just having a good time and using what they can. I can imagine like laughter in the classroom when someone says something <laughs> wrong, you say it wrong when you're on the spot, it's your turn to say this phrase and it's, mm -hmm. I mean, my heart races. I, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a group of people and I have to anything, introduce myself, even in my native language, I get so much like my adrenaline's going, my heart's racing. I'm like, I know my name. I've known my name for almost 40 years now. And why is this so stressful? <laughs> but then if we're playing a game and everyone has to say their name, all that, that stress is gone. So it really does make the language so much more accessible and fun and memorable. And you know, another thing that I just thought of as you were saying that is like, 
the pressure when you're sitting in a circle with nothing in front of you is like people are looking at you because you're going mm. to talk mm. or the focus is on more of what you say because you know the moment is your time to shine you know but when you're playing a game everyone has something in front of them they don't have to like look directly at you or the silence is listening to you but it's also okay I'm playing this card next or oh I'm gonna do this or I'm waiting to see what the other person's moves are so it takes a little bit of pressure even in that way Mm -hmm. like the way you communicate is to keep the game going versus you know now people are judging me which you know for me as an introvert like people never believe I'm an introvert but I have such a joy for languages it causes me Mm -hmm. to you know speak up more but when I'm at home (laughs) it's just me my Nintendo and a few books and (laughs) that's my joy you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. I connect with that so much. <laughs> so mm-hmm. much. I have no problem yeah. going out and talking to people in a situation when I need to talk to people. I'm from the South. I learned how to be mm-hmm. hospitable and, and, you know, open myself up to people. Mm-hmm. But at the end, my energy is zapped. I am done. I cannot mm-hmm. socialize like twice in one day, twice in one weekend. I'd, I'd need me, a book, some <laughs> silence that's exactly you get it Mm -hmm. so as an English teacher in Korea I've always wondered how this works you take college graduates send them to Mm -hmm. Korea to teach English are you teaching from the very beginning and they're just getting immersed in your English as a teacher do they already know Mm -hmm. a good amount of English what does the beginning of that process look like for you as a teacher and for them gaining a teacher who doesn't yet speak Korean Mm -hmm. it's perfect so it works really well I'm in, I taught in a public school situation, and now I work as a freelancer for teaching for some private schools. And what it is, is you're in the classroom with a Korean who majored in English and is a teacher. So you're working together to get the idea or the message of that lesson. For us, our responsibilities are mainly speaking and listening. So we don't teach the grammar, that's the Korean teacher. So maybe they have English. And for me, I taught middle school, for example. So in middle school, I believe they take English three to four times a week. I only see the students once a week. And then the other three times is with the Korean English teacher. So they learn the grammar. And for me, it's a key phrase or two key phrases that we learn together in the class. So I show the phrase in English and then also in Korean with the help of the Korean teacher. Then we have some practice examples with pictures or teachers choose different ways to get a little bit of repetition in. And then there's the book that we all love and hate. The textbook that's, you know, internationally the issue is the textbook is too old. The key phrases are kind of old, so you got to update it a bit. And then the conversations are very, very much, get me out of here, teacher, let's play a game. So after we do the boring work, we play a game on the PowerPoint, or we play a game that involves just them running up to the board and spelling words or trying to fill in the blank, you know. And during that time, we give instructions in English, but the Korean teacher would give that help by translating or by, you know, making my sentences easier. As you stay longer, you figure out how to make your sentences easier to understand, Mm -hmm. depending on the level, and trying to use those keywords in your conversations too. And you watch them grow throughout the year. And then you keep preparing these PowerPoints every week, or sometimes worksheets. And so sometimes we make it in Korean too. And they love seeing us learn Korean because they love it when we make mistakes on the board or our pronunciation is silly. And it's like revenge, teacher, because you say no to our pronunciation. It's your turn, you know, (laughs) but we don't grade. We don't grade them normally, but Mm -hmm. we grade a speaking test twice a year and in some cases a writing test. But that's like working with us for two weeks in order to give them a script they could use. Mm-hmm. So and those are the two times we grade them. But other than that, the Korean English teachers, I usually work with four to five at a time. 
So I have five classes with one teacher, four classes with another, and I show them what we're working on, or they tell us, oh, hey, we need to do chapters one through four by this date. And it, it works really well. I planned them by myself. And then the teacher surprised at the beginning of the week, like, what are we doing today? <laughs> That's a really interesting dynamic. I love too that you get to show them that you're also a student, that you're also mm -hmm. a student of their language too. Because like you said, you know, when they catch your pronunciation or your spelling mm -hmm. or whatever, it normalizes the teacher's perspective. Because so many times mm -hmm. we look at a teacher and they're just, oh, you know, they can't right. make mistakes. They're perfect. <laughs> they know all of this. And to have a teacher who is human, who you know is human and you see is human, it makes the relationship so much less, there's so much less pressure on that relationship. And it just normalizes the fact that we all learn and we all make mistakes and I think that just that in and of itself is such a really powerful thing for teachers or instructors or coaches or anyone who's doing mm -hmm. any sort of teaching to do is to show that humanity in your own mistakes as well I love that yeah it's so that. cool like my favorite moments but also the moments where I cry in my pillow at night is when I make a mistake and my students laugh and they're like teacher so and I'm like, serious. Yeah. Thank yep. you. That was funny. <laughs> My kids are on a kick now where we've been in Germany for two years and their German has far surpassed mine now. And they will not let me read books to them anymore because my pronunciation just isn't good. My son is just turned seven. I keep trying to put him in the teacher seat for me. So I keep pretending like I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this word is. I don't know what this word means. Do you know what that word means? Just keep asking him questions because when he's in that teacher seat, he's like, oh, mom doesn't know that. Yes, of course. But <laughs> when I mispronounce something, oh my goodness, he is just so flustered. I can't believe you don't understand what this, no, mom, this is the sound. <laughs> Here I am trying to like denigrate mm -hmm. myself for your, for your, uh, for your sake. And he just is, it's amazing to see them when they're put in that position, even at a really right. young age, they love teaching and yeah. sharing and showing us the adults don't mm -hmm. always know. And I love seeing children's like teaching personalities very mm -hmm. early. Mm -hmm. Like, just like you said, with each of your children being able to like, they're like, no, mm -mm this is wrong. My students, I love the kind ones want to come up. Teacher, can I help you? Can I, can I just help you? And then the other ones just laugh and they're like, teacher, dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> then there are the few that is just like, teacher, oh, e, oh, e, just, <laughs> I so love close. all of the varieties. And then one of my students, one year, oh my God, he was a genius, but he always, like, I was nervous for him because at the end of class, he would say, teacher, study. And he would give me a list of words that I had messed up from that class. And oh, I feel like awesome. I greatly improved after that, partly because I didn't want that list anymore. Pointed <laughs> like feedback. Pointed. And he was like, teacher, but he would write it in Korean and English. Love it. And it. then the following week, I wanted to show him that I did my homework. So I would write it on the side and I was like, look, and he was like, okay. Oh he didn't God. even say good job. He did the thumbs up and just, okay. Mm. And I, I looked more than for that. it. <laughs> Did you I tell me I did good? That right. is so cool. If that he could so give cool. me a sticker, he still wouldn't. He wasn't impressed. He was like, this is your job. <laughs> You're out of words. So did you, did you start learning Korean before you went or did you wait until you arrived and like day one? How do I say hello? How do I say thank you? So I learned how to read. I learned how to read and write. I didn't know much of like, I learned how to say cucumber and apple because of pronunciation practice, or I went on hello talk to try and make friends. And I made a few really good friends, but you know, they would teach phrases that were really difficult for me. I went from, I know how to say apple and cucumber to, I don't want to use this right now, like that sentence in Korean. And I'm like, wow, I don't know what's going on here, but eventually I will. <laughs> and so 
Um, I've downloaded and deleted Hello Talk like on and off. I just recently downloaded it again. Um, but in the beginning, no, just I came in being able to read it. My very first night here, I tried to order uh, food at Burger King. And just so you know, Korean bar, like English borrowed Korean words are the worst to pronounce. So I'm going to Burger King and I'm just like, ice cream <laughs> and then at the end the cashier said morago which is like what did you say and i'm like yep this 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 mm -mm. i used my finger which is the most powerful thing you can use in another country mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah i started from scratch when i came here other than reading Some people are like, yeah, you cheated. You learned how to read. And I'm like, yeah, I had to. I want to say my name. <laughs> you have to be able to at least pronounce what, try to pronounce what's around you. I feel like it, all the countries I've lived in use the Latin script, but I've learned a bit of Hangul. I'm like, if I go to Korea, I at least want to be able to pronounce the signs. Like, cause that's a start. Exactly. It's maybe a I'll, start. Maybe I'll know one of the words too, and maybe not, but you're trying. <laughs> That makes a big, big, big difference. Right? <laughs> Something else I love about um, Hangul, I think it is, for a mathematically inclined person, it is the most incredible, just how it forms the syllables is beautiful. Right. I love it. I I'm love so it. glad I'm talking to you because you might relate to this too, but seeing the Korean text just all in just a line. Oh, isn't it and gorgeous? How it, it just I tried fits together. to explain it. It just fits together like perfect puzzles and typing it. I'm telling you, even if you never, even if you never end up like using this skill, learning how to type Korean is the most pleasing thing on the planet for me. Like just typing and then watching the characters build in these perfect little blocks mm -hmm. and then pressing the space button is so satisfying. I it's totally probably get it. totally you get know it. it is very, oh, very satisfying. So, so satisfying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. No, I could geek out on this for a long time. Mm -hmm. So right. how you are preparing now i learned recently for a mm -hmm. language test as am i so so we're both mm -hmm. gonna different languages so we're both gonna work on this you know keep each other motivated a bit through our exactly. through our instagram posts but so how far has your korean gone i've seen you post videos of doing karaoke in korean mm -hmm. so much writing that you do it sounds like you're doing totally amazing from an outsider's perspective but first question is How do you rate your Korean? You've obviously been studying it a lot. And then second question, then how has living in the country, obviously mm -hmm. you started after you came to the country, but how do you feel like that has affected your uh, motivation and ability to learn the language? That's an excellent question. Um, the best way to rate my Korean would be street smart. <laughs> I feel like, A lot of it is I, if I know it, I could do it. If I don't know it, I know how to fake it till I make it. I could pick out the words I need to make an opinion. I know how to go to the hospital by myself. I know how to order food. I know how to have a conversation with the taxi drivers, even if their accent is extremely strong and fast. <laughs> But That no, I would say- That's a great yeah. skill a lot of taxi cars <laughs> you know <laughs> but no I feel like I've made a lot of progress with the personable aspect of speaking and using Korean in my day life and again finding those things that I'm so passionate about that I would love to do it in another language mm -hmm. I love singing and secretly I love rapping So of course I'm going to learn Korean songs and then I'm surrounded by Korean music because my husband is Korean and he loves a very specific group called Brown Eyed Soul for anyone who wants to listen to Korean R&B soul music. But it's very specific, mostly Korean that I'm surrounded with. So why not use it? Or going to the hospitals, which I barely talk about but I went to hospitals a lot in Korea 
going to hospitals during COVID and not always having a translator there and really wanting to know what they're saying, even with the translator there, it just motivates you like no other. And being in that classroom setting and wanting to show the kids progress, like they're showing you progress, it definitely feeds off of each other, the energy of, I want to understand my kids. They come to me and it's like playing charades every day, but eventually the look on their face when I understand them as a, like, I don't know if it's the woman in me that just sees them and I'm like, I am so glad that you're happy that you feel understood and I will do whatever it takes to make sure you keep smiling. So that's a motivation as well. And just I, being in Korea definitely helped with my Korean because if I was at home, the need to learn the words that I learned wouldn't have been there. Mm -hmm. And the reward of seeing the conversation flow or being able to see the smile of success when the conversation went well, you know, I wouldn't have had access to those things. And for me, I'm a competitive person and a puzzle person. So that satisfaction point would have been completely wasted on me at home. I would just keep watching variety shows and watch the same variety shows until I understand. And that's it. Like, yay, I could listen all day. <laughs> but and as then far you feed as- off of the, that outside motivation and that outside connection, you know, like we talked about earlier with everyone else, it, it really, I mean, I can mm -hmm. just see the joy on your face and hear yeah. it in your voice that that <laughs> is really, really what it's, what it's about is seeing that extra mm -hmm. the result seeing the result mm -hmm. in the communication and the relationships right because I feel like for me the way that both sides of my brain enjoy languages is just the process like watching the process unfold in the like in front of me in real time in a useful way it just is so satisfying to finally be able to place my order in this Korean app that's all in Korean and to have the food delivered to me, I solved a problem. And this is something that I could carry with me for the rest of the day. So it's like being in these tiny battles every day or being in these mini checkers games. I don't know how to play chess. It's really weird. It's the only game out of all games in the world that I don't know how to play. But if I did, I would be a monster. But <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt whatsoever. <laughs> I need to find a Korean chess club. Just go, just go I'm find working one. on it. I'm so working on it. I have recently created a board game language exchange club. Oh, how it cool. And the reason why I know you would definitely enjoy Korea, board game cafes are such a thing that just imagine I would, I, I've realized a dream by being here. When I go back to the U.S., I'm opening a board game cafe. I would love to be able to just spend all day teaching people how to play games. That's brilliant. Right. That's just it. Don't take my idea, listeners. I promise <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> Drop my name and a couple dollars per visitor. Thank you. <laughs> but that no. is so cool. I had yes. another question that has now eluded me. No worries. I'm studying mainly for the vocabulary and solidifying the grammar that I have. Grammar is my strong point. But finding ways to use it is my weak point because the easy mm. ones that I know have just been so effective. It's like a well-oiled machine. I could just pop out the words that I need with that grammar and it's successful. And now I'm like, no, it's four years. I want to see what my language level could be if I really tried with vocabulary instead of constantly using the same mm. pool of words. Mm -hmm. And so my struggle now is how do I make vocab learning fun? And I have a few ideas and I'm very excited to see them show up in my face very soon so I could test them out and <laughs> share them with the world. But I'm trying a little bit of everything. I'm trying the classics, writing it down over and over again and doing the flashcards through Quizlet and doing the little mini games until my head hurts. <laughs> That's the thing. So Things like that, the repetition and the flashcards are effective. But right. for many of us, they're just also boring. And I'm in the exact same boat 
for Italian, I'm, I'm wanting to take the B2 exam. I don't know when they have it in December and I don't know if I'll be ready in December, but I, I got the book mm -hmm. and I'm going through it every day and I'm enjoying it. And then there's the vocabulary that I know passively. I can read it and totally understand. And then I go to write and it doesn't come out. So I say, okay, this is where I really want to focus is this vocabulary. I've made flashcards because I know it's effective and I also despise them. And I'm trying to get creative. Like I said, with my son's German, I'm trying to get creative of bringing him into this process. How can we make the German more fun and more accessible? And then I need to transfer that knowledge over to Italian as well. And I'm mm -hmm. really excited to see what you're doing with Korean though. Yes. What I will say though, is that my lovely friend, uh, Matt from Legendary Language Learner, uh, he is also another fantastic resource for people who are interested in the game aspect of language education. He's made these awesome fantasy games and they're also card-based and he has one very particular Flash card, flash card product that I am very much so ready to buy at this point. I think it's necessary, but they're called the Leitner, Leitner. I could spell it better than I could say it, but the Leitner cards, mm -hmm. and you add these flashcard challenges to your flashcards. So it might say something like, make a sentence out of the next three words or something like that. And he has that idea. And I think it's fantastic. I love the quality of his products anyway. So it's a little shout out to him because I he was one of the first friends I made for language games that helped me confirm my idea with the playing cards. But for memory cards and flashcards and vocabulary, he does have an awesome thing that I am like, at this point, I am willing to spend a solid dollar in order <laughs> to get better at vocabulary. And if I could reuse it for any language, that's mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that really is an excellent segue into your products and what you do. So you have the website Speak in Spades, also your Instagram handle, which I'll put in the show notes. And you have products, you have cards and journals in various languages. Tell us, uh, just tell us about those. I'll open it up and you say anything you want about the evolution of those and what inspired you and what's all you provide or you offer. I am extremely excited to be able to talk about it in this way with you because again, my products came from a sense of fun, but also measurability. So I wanted it to be something like these products are hopefully ones that grow with you. So the journals are 150 questions and they have 10 different topics inside each book. And you're able to start off with introductions or start off with directions. You can use whichever chapters you want whenever you want. There's no linear order. They have little bits of vocab suggested vocab for you to use and then at the end it's like you know a chapter end where you have a prompt and you get to write about a specific topic in first and third person so talking about me and then talking about your friend or a celebrity or a family member and sometimes there's these little mini challenges of write it as if you're doing an interview or write it as if you're writing a letter to yourself and you can reuse those prompts even after you finish the book, or you could level up the questions in the book. Um, but again, if you finish the book, you can say, okay, I don't know what my language level is, but I know I could answer 150 questions. And there's something about that that's a bit measurable, right? Mm -hmm. If you did two chapters, that's 30 questions. I can answer 30 questions and it grows with you. And with the playing cards, which is my new heart of hearts. I have it with me in my in my room now because I'm using it to play solo games and like as mini flashcards. But there's a hundred, I think over a hundred, but I want to say 105 language challenges in each deck of cards. And it has it's literally like your favorite like heart spade diamond club deck of cards with these challenges on each card that you could use to play any of your favorite games. So I tried to put down the nine, like I declare war, 
some people might remember there's one that's called bs which i you might know what it means you might not (laughs) there's other ones like the speed games and there's like slapjack and ers and the list is still growing like now i realized i could play solitaire i could play the other solitaire game called tri-peaks and the challenges are things that are a mix of advanced or beginner but there's a good blend where you get to work on what you want again if you're playing with other people it's a great place to have these conversation starters a lot of people want language partners or they want language exchanges but it's really hard to come Mm. up with a topic every week Mm. i know because i'm a part of six language exchanges and i'm the host of three of them and making these challenges every week us to talk about for an hour or two hours it's a lot and again sometimes we need a break you know language frustration is a thing and trying to work around that while making the most of the hour or two you're with a group of people sometimes games is that mix of a break and practice Mm -hmm. and so the questions are already there and sometimes a question is so good we stop playing the game and just talk about that it's like great because I didn't plan anything for today. And that's the evil secret. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. And for so many reasons, but it makes me think of how I've said often on the show that as a perfectionist, part of my, you know, something that I realize that I do is avoid things that are difficult or vulnerable, even at the same time I want to do them. And so you hear in the language learning community so often people saying, well, if you wanted it bad enough, you would just do it. There are no excuses. Everyone has five minutes. And I'm like, yeah, I want to, and I still have something blocking me from doing it. And language exchanges is one of those. I I want so bad to find language exchanges. I've gone out to tandem. I've, I've gone out to, um, Global Pen Pals, I think is another one that I've used and I connect with people and then there comes the block of, I want to do this so bad, but now what do I say? And (laughs) even at the same time, I can have a conversation with my sister or a friend or you, and we can just chat about languages or anything. It's really hard when you just meet someone new through one of these things. And so the game being there to guide you and say, okay, we all want to be here. And at the same time, maybe a lot of us don't want to be here, but we do, but we don't. (laughs) We have the game to take that pressure off and just Mm -hmm. find something and guide the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the big issues that I was having. It was like, I want to talk to people, but even for me, I need help with Mm -hmm. my language journey, but I don't know how to ask for help. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. what I need to work Mm -hmm. on until I'm in the situation. Yeah. So I put like, I crammed as much stuff like name five or um, what is, uh, talk about your favorite artist or mm, I have six different categories, six different types of challenges, but they're already pre-written on the cards. And I always love create your own aspects. So in lieu of the Uno's wild cards where you get to write your challenge in the middle, there's these four create your own cards and then instructions are already in there and I'm going to be growing that list soon. But truly, as me as a teacher, me as a student, me as a language learner, in all ways, it's like I want to measure my progress. Mm -hmm. So if I could answer most of the questions in the cards, I know exactly how many questions and challenges I could do. So I could measure my work in that way. Mm -hmm. Someone randomly asked me, well, how's your Spanish? I'm like, well, I could answer at least 50 questions (laughs) according to my last solitaire game. (laughs) Forget CEFR. We need speaking spades cards. How many questions (laughs) from speaking spades journal? But genuinely... Yeah, genuinely, it's like any way that we could use to measure our language process, it's so satisfying to us. Mm -hmm. Even for the creative people who might not think about language in a more like systematic way, like truly being able to have that confidence. I answered this today. I want to answer this today. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of resources right here in this one small deck of cards. They're not scary. No one's judging you. Or if you're with a group to be able to ask for help right away, if it's a mixed language exchange, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I tell the people in my language exchange, everyone bring a small notebook 
because when you play the game and you ask the questions, you know, you take notes on anything new you learn. And there's your notes. That was Done. the class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something I wrote down when you were talking about the journals was the first note I wrote under it was confidence, that I can see how this would create confidence in someone that you're giving some prompts and some ideas, but they get to do just still shape it in any way they want, which builds confidence. And then when you were talking about, you know, different perspectives and I'll talk about me, but then I'll talk about someone else. This is such an excellent foundation for sparking our own ideas of how to manipulate the language. When I get a prompt, I'm almost always writing in the first person and I can talk in the first person very well because that's generally what I do. And then I realized after it was like four or five years of Italian before I was like, I really have a hard time communicating in the second person plural, because it's not just you, <laughs> it's you all. And when someone speaks to me in that, asking about us, I tend to, it takes me an extra second to realize that they're talking about us as a group. And so that's a very specific part that I know how to conjugate the verbs, but I don't do enough writing or listening with this particular perspective and having a prompt like that where it's giving you those little not just the prompt with the theme but the prompt with what perspective you're talking about or you're talking to it gives people just enough confidence to then okay I can do this I can do this in the present tense now can I do this in the past tense can I do this in the future tense you can just keep building on um, on all those different perspectives that we need to understand and need to be able to communicate in and it's so true originally the book was meant to be a lot harder, but I what I wanted for the book originally was to only have the English version. And if you trans like translate the questions and answer the questions and then do the prompts. And my friend was like, that's just a lot. And I was like, well, some people like the challenge, but now it's more so the extra challenge for now for people who want the resource, but it's not available in that language yet. Mm -hmm. I'm still building the library and I hope to have a few more languages by the end of this year. I recently uploaded the Korean version. I want to say last month, but it's just the PDF for now. But the physical book is pretty cute because it's a bit smaller than the regular notebook. So it fits in my book bag (laughs) and it doesn't like take a lot of space. Um, But no, I really think it's a great way for us to think about how to turn these questions Mm, and mm -hmm. answers into things that we could use or to solve problems that we face in real life or, you know, because what you just said reminds me of some of the questions in the book. They're all written in that language, but maybe it's the older way to say, like, Mm. what's your name? Or it's Mm -hmm. the more formal way to ask, like, where are you from? And people these days, they shortened it or they use a new phrase. And I wanted to have that extra space for them to be able to write the questions the way that they hear it or the way that they experienced it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You always learn, especially in the beginning, you know, the first thing you learn is introductions and how to say hi and stuff like that. And then you have this phrase that you use for so long. And then maybe years later, you realize that, you know, even in in English, we say, hi, what's up? How are you? How are you? How are y'all? I mean, there's so many different. And if you're Mm -hmm. only learning one, this is something that always fascinates me about languages is there are just so many ways to express it. And it's, not really possible to learn all of them in the beginning but if Mm -hmm. we kind of explore each of these kind of topics a little bit we can maybe recognize them even if I can't remember all the ways to say how are you what's up in Italian I can recognize them if I've spent some time just exploring just that topic in Mm -hmm. a prompt or something else instead of just the notebook hello how are you (laughs) what's your name right And I avoided most of those questions in the book. So one of my favorite questions out of the whole book is like, what's your nickname? I don't know the word nickname, even in Korean. Have we even thought of it? But honestly, people sometimes ask, like, how would you like to be called? Or Mm -hmm. what can I call you? Can I call you T instead of Tiara, you know? (laughs) This is an excellent cultural thing, too, because... 
in Italy, we really had an issue with teachers not understanding our names because I have mm -hmm. my husband's last name, which is not common in Italy, probably not in a lot of Europe. And we have all have middle names, which in the U.S. is very common. So <laughs> they look at their their roster for school. And I mean, my son was in the school for two years and teachers like, I'm sorry, what's your all's last name? <laughs> Lovejoy. Mm -hmm. And your husband's last name. Yes, it's the same. And what's this name right here? Why is this one here? I had to have the vocabulary for middle name, but culturally they don't understand that. So I had to explain the whole middle name thing. If I'm talking to someone from the U.S., oh, what's your middle name? Here it is. End of conversation. And so mm -hmm. there's these whole other conversations yeah. that can be had just around names. Yeah. And here in Korea, like people kept asking me, like, what's your first name? And I'm like, it's Tiara. Mm. And it turns out the order of the names is different here. Mm -hmm. So the family name goes first. So they just literally translated it to first name, but they mm -hmm. meant family name. And I don't hear it as often now, but I did hear it a few times. And now, now I know, but even something simple like names yeah. could be a conversation. It you know? really can. And then it's a really good way to learn how to navigate the conversation. Because like you said, mm -hmm. if they're saying first, but they really mean family, now there's a whole explanation that might need right. to go into your response that's way bigger than just giving a name. Mm -hmm. It requires sentences and thinking and constructing. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Super cool. So tell everyone, I've already mentioned it before, but please tell our listeners where they can find you and your products. And I highly recommend anyone follow you on social media too, because you share just some really cool day-to-day oh, -day interactions with the language as yeah. well with your writing and your uh, exam prep also mm -hmm. especially anyone learning Korean excellent yeah. excellent uh, inspiration <laughs> well for now I'm especially active on Instagram at speak in spades I also have a website speakinspades.com you can find me on Facebook and even TikTok, my ghost of a TikTok for right now, but I'm working on it. <laughs> and I do have a YouTube, actually. Um, you could follow me in advance and watch me grow eventually. I really love Instagram for now because that's where I found the community that I think speaks the most for my journey right now, to be able to take these quick pictures or do these posts and talk about them sometimes my com my captions are even like mini blogs right and then a small part of my brain is like please make it a real blog because it's a bigger conversation <laughs> working on it <laughs> but uh, one thing the last really cool thing I did want to say is if you happen to be a listener and you did the language challenge or you're interested in doing them for the future the best way to prepare if you're interested in just having a resource in your house anyway, would be to buy the cards. Believe mm -hmm. it or not, over half of the language challenges we did from June were from the cards. So awesome. you have a little confidence anyway, because, you know, if you did it, then you look at the cards and it's like, oh, I wrote about this two months ago, you know, <laughs> two or three months ago. But no, Instagram is definitely a way to see a little bit more about my life here in Korea and also how I'm studying Korean and Spanish these days, too. Two of those six language exchanges are Korean-Spanish language exchanges. So trying Ooh. to build that connection. Oh, yes. That's so cool. Even now, I'm studying for the exam with vocabulary in Spanish and Korean because it's really cool to see how if I don't know it in one, I know it in the other. But mm -hmm. switching between the two languages has been an extreme challenge for me. So follow me if you're also faced with an issue like that and you want to see how I'm tackling this problem in real time. <laughs> Have you connected with native or uh, or other advanced Spanish speakers learning Korean? I have, there's one that's like study bees and there's a few other resources that I've seen just floating on my For You page mm -hmm. that I'm starting to follow more. I'm really excited to get into this world of specifically Korean Spanish because 10 years ago, who knew I would right? do that, you know? <laughs> Oh, that's a whole other conversation right there. Oh my goodness. I have so many thoughts like that's just been going on in my brain that are starting to to come out in yeah. this conversation. I love it. I love it. 
truly a fantastic hour for me. I I feel like I've known you for a long time. <laughs> this is why the language learning community does. Even if you're speaking in your native language, you just make so many connections with people who have the same passions and the same like, you know, weird thoughts about how I love this grammar and how I love the look of this script and <laughs> and, exactly. and we're all totally normal. That's just what it comes down to. Totally. <laughs> Yara, thank you so much for your time. I am so glad that we were able to make this happen. And you are, like I said, I mean, to me, you are a real, real inspiration. You're an innovator, you're a leader, and it's wonderful to have come across you online and to been a part of your group in the language Olympics. And I'm so excited to see what else is in store for you. I'm so excited to see your journey and your products and you ace your Korean exam. And I'm really excited for any <laughs> listeners to who haven't connected with you yet, who are going to, you all will not be disappointed at all. Thank you so much for your time and for this conversation and sharing a bit about your life and your journey. It's been amazing. It has been an honor to talk with you. I love the work that you do in your podcast and even for your community for sharing all of these awesome resources and to also be able to just nerd out for hours yes. at a time. Yes. It's awesome. We need more people like you with love, joy, language. <laughs> Sharing all the love and the joy. Both of us are going to ace our exams this year. 2023 is an awesome year for that. And if you ever need encouragement, look at our track record. Go Team Spades! <laughs> team Spades. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tiara. No problem. Thank you.